0: Susan, today we are continuing on in our series on the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. Interestingly enough, the first four words of Jesus on the cross were to the world. The last three are related to himself. This one comes from John 19, verses 28 and 29 on the thirst of God. The Bible says, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Well, we have a few things that we want to be reminded of in the thirst of God here. First of all, we recognize the fact that this is not the same combination of vinegar and wine that was offered, according to the 15th chapter of Mark, to Jesus and the thieves on the cross as they entered that place of Golgotha where the crucifixion was to take place. Wine and vinegar was offered to those who were being executed as a kind of a numbing uh, potion to try to numb the the effects of the crucifixion. Jesus refused that because he wanted to be in complete control of his faculties. But we see here where Jesus had been struggling. And why? Because this was the thirst of human need. Jesus had had that evening with Pilate and with others who had mocked him and abused him and had beaten him they had mocked him and spit on him they they jeered at him as he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem toward Golgotha here we have Jesus in his weakened state from 9 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon 6 hours on the cross and it is that that slow suffocation of a man as the lungs collapse and it is the dry thirst that comes as a result of being out in that sun through the mid part of the day. Can you just imagine how you would feel? Did he thirst? Absolutely he thirsted. He thirsts because of his human need. He was on the cross for those six hours having experienced the other kind of pain as well. But he was aware of his human need during his temptation experience right after his baptism, his entry into public ministry. Forty days, he was without bread and water and was tempted by Satan himself and yet he resisted that. You know, when I see this, I recognize the fact that Hebrews 4 tells us that he was tempted in every point as we are yet knew no sin and yet you and I can be absolutely convinced and, and committed to the fact that Jesus has experienced everything that you and I will ever experience and yet has overcome it. Here on the cross, He has that thirst. He has that thirst that is His human need. He understands when we thirst, some of us are, are really uh, concerned about this coronavirus. Jesus understands this. None of this takes God by surprise, folks. And we can either follow fear or we can follow faith. We can understand that God is in control of the situation. He knew it was coming. It's here. God understands the human need and the human weakness. And as we see some of the responses to it, uh, the human foibles as well. Jesus identifies with our human needs. And the Bible also says that He did this so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Psalm 69, 21 says, They gave me vinegar for my thirst. Psalms twenty-two, fifteen 15 says, My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And so, not only does He understand our needs, but He also is there in His desire to fulfill the Scriptures. He is the Word. The Word became incarnate and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten Son of God. The Word incarnate is Jesus. He was the author of these words that the psalmist expressed. Well, that's human need. But then secondly, I think there's that thirst of righteousness that he had. Back in the Beatitudes when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's that thirst of Him to be rightly related to the Father, which is what righteousness is all about. It's being rightly related to God the Father, and the only way that can occur is through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. So being rightly related to God means that we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness And all these things will be added to us. All these ducks line up in a row. All our priorities begin to take significance and begin to line up in accordance with God's will, not our own. So we hunger and we thirst after righteousness because we want to be rightly related to God and we desire this more than anything else in our lives. You see, Jesus, in that thirst of righteousness, forgave his enemies, forgave his critics, forgave his skeptics, forgave his followers for turning their backs on him. That hunger and thirst after righteousness, after being rightly related to the Father, was there. He acknowledged his weakness. In John 4, verses 13 through 14, when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, in high noon, you can imagine, he asked her, Do you have something with which I can drink from? She knew that this was not normal for a Jewish man to even speak to another woman in public, much less a Samaritan woman, much less to draw from the well with her utensils. It was tough. But then Jesus took it that one step further. He said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You'll never be thirsty again if you drink the water that Jesus gives you. It's not a physical thirst. It's a spiritual thirst. For the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. We understand that that we were created for something greater than planet Earth, something greater than this life. We know that in our hearts and minds that God reigns supreme. That He is the creator. He is the sustainer of life. We are created in His image. We long to be with Him for all eternity. And that's that that spring of water that flows up into eternal life when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, after Jesus Himself. Psalm 42, 1 through 2. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The psalmist depicts a deer fleeing from his pursuer and running as fast and as far as he possibly can. But there, looking for that drink of water, that tongue swells up in the back of your throat and you're literally parched. And he says, it's this kind of hunger and thirst after righteousness. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Do you have that kind of thirst in your heart, in your mind, in your soul? Do you have that kind of thirst for God that when you come to Him in a devotional time, in a time of of prayer perhaps, in a time of Bible study, in a time alone with God, do you really have that kind of thirst to the Father for all that He can provide? I must confess, it's not something that's, that's innate in us. It's not something that's inborn in the human experience. We get so distracted in our devotional time, in our walk with God, in our, in our ministry to others. Things begin to take priority in our lives that shouldn't take priority. People begin to take less priority in our lives that should take priority. The Lord begins to take more of a back seat in our activities if we're not careful. So we, we pray to God to have that hunger, that thirst after righteousness in order to be filled. We pray that we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. We seek first. We put it in our priority. This is what Jesus thirsted after was that righteousness, that that right relationship with God that comes from that appetite, that hunger, that thirst after His presence, His provision, His power, His person. Do you have that hunger and thirst this morning? What was it like the last time that you went to the Word of God? What was it like the last time you went to worship service? My prayer is, is that the fact that we are being prevented from assembling in public together, that when we do get together for Bible study and for worship, there will be that hunger and thirst after righteousness because things are become only important to us once we lose them sometimes. They become a lot more important at that point than they've ever been. You lose your vision, you lose your ability to walk, you lose your thirst, you lose your hunger, you lose these things, and then you, you you are just ecstatic when they are returned to you. And so the opportunity to worship God, to return to the throne of grace, is that hunger and that thirst after righteousness that you and I should have. And this is what Jesus expressed on the cross. That hunger and that thirst after righteousness. Well, thirdly, there is also that thirst of salvation. It's kind of interesting here that they talk about, I am thirsty, a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it. Jesus still had a few words left in him. And I'm sure his parched throat wouldn't allow him to speak audibly, powerfully, to the crowd that was gathered around, to the bystanders, to the people who were passing by that road en route to Jerusalem or coming out of Jerusalem en route elsewhere. So, he needed that wine, that vinegar, in order to quench that thirst. Interestingly enough, though, to give you a little aside, a hyssop reed was about three feet long. Jesus on the cross. His feet were probably somewhere around three feet off the ground. It was not possible for the soldiers to reach Him on their own so they could take a sponge with hyssop on a hyssop reed and dip it into the vinegar and lift it up to Jesus' lips to quench that thirst, to give Him a chance to cry out the last two words of His. But where do we read about the hyssop? Do you remember? It was in the 12th chapter of Exodus when the plagues were coming over Egypt. And there were, they, they told Moses and Moses instructed the people as God revealed to him, this is what I want you to do tonight. The angel of death is going to pass over the houses. The firstborn of each family will die, unless you take hyssop, you got it, dip it in the blood of the lamb, and put it on the doorpost and the lentils of your house, and it's the blood of the lamb that is going to cover your sins, and the angel of death will pass over. Why do we have Passover? Why do we observe Easter? This Passover lamb, Jesus. Is the one who died for all of our sins, once and for all. No need for sacrifices after Jesus. He was the ultimate sacrifice the Father gave to mankind. Wow. That's exciting stuff. The Bible tells us that John 1.29, John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God was, was apparent to this prophet, this forerunner of Jesus Christ. There the Lamb of God was revealed to those awaiting to be baptized by John in the Jordan River. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does Revelation say? In Revelation 5.12 Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb to receive these things. The Lamb of God So this hyssop had to trigger a lot of memories in those who were Jewish that were passing by or who were in the crowd. This hyssop that was put up to the Lamb of God knowing that His blood was covering the sins of those who would trust in Him as their personal Lord and Savior. The thirst of God. The thirst of God in the Salvation of mankind. The Bible says he gave his life a ransom for many. Not for everybody, but for many. For who? Whose blood Jesus's covered whose sins? Ours. Who would believe in who? God the Father through Jesus Christ our Son. His Son. And it's that kind of expression that you and I have come to appreciate, those of us that follow Jesus Christ. There are others that just believe, well, you know, I just think that if there is a God, maybe He just wants me to just go about with my th- earthly things, maybe my good will outweigh the bad, and and God's an accountant, and He's got a ledger, and, and He looks over here on th- the right page, the positives, and if they outweigh the negatives on the other page, then... He'll let me in. The enemy has fooled you in that sense. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. None of us deserve it. None of us can earn it. None of us are worthy of of salvation. None of us are worthy of heaven. None of us are worthy of God's attention. His thoughts are not ours. His ways are not ours. His thoughts, his ways are much higher above mankind than we could ever imagine. And so, we understand that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. This Easter season is our reminder of how God gave His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins so that we, by faith through Him, might be saved. Everyone who believes in the Son has life. Everyone who does not believe in the Son of God does not have life. It's that clear. People always talk about how, how there's so much gray in there. There's no gray. It's all black and white. It's all absolute. It is all definitive through the Scriptures of God. Jesus died. His thirst for us was a thirst of human need. His thirst for us was a thirst of righteousness to be rightly related to God through Him. And His thirst through that was for our salvation. The blood of the Lamb, Jesus said at that last supper, that night, that Passover feast, he said to the disciples, this wine, this juice represents my blood which is shed for your sins, for the remission of your sins, for the cleansing of your sins. So here we are, the thirst of God. Jesus said simply, I thirst. Let's pray. Father, we just praise you for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, for what you're accomplishing here. I thank you for those who are gathered in front of their computers, iPads, whatever, laptops, whatever it might be. Lord, to listen to your word. When we think of Jesus on the cross, it's more than we can handle. It's more than we can bear. And yet, Lord, you did it for us so that we, through you, might have eternal life. Father, this ultimate sacrifice of this Passover lamb, Jesus, who was given by you on the cross as that ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Father, we can't comprehend that. We don't understand it. There's no way that the finite human mind can understand the infinite unlimited God. And yet, Lord, by grace, you give us that opportunity. By faith, we have that opportunity to know you. So thank you. Be with us now. Father, I just pray if there's anyone in this audience that does not know you, that they will turn their lives over to you this moment. And I pray that for those others who are either not following you closely or following you uh, at a distance, Lord, that they'll know your love, your concern. Be with us now. May we honor and glorify you above all things with our lives, with our commitment, and may we serve you in these days ahead. Father, thank you for the days, the hours that you have given us to be your followers. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.